How have the CDC, the FDA, and the NIH been doing in their roles as public health agencies? They get a big fat F here in 2021. The following is the audio version of a video released at peakprosperity.com. Visit peakprosperity.com to watch the video and to find other insightful content such as articles, discussion forums, and exclusive subscriber-only content. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this program. I am Dr. Chris Martinson here with a COVID report card. We're going to be talking about the number one question that should be asked of every public health official and agency by journalists, but really isn't being talked about or asked at this point in time. And what I'm referring to is the totality of public health. So come on with me. Let's take a look at all of this. Come on in here. This is the title here on November 30th, 2021. Public health agencies getting this big fat F. So before I tell you why they get the F, let's start here. The CDC's own public health goals, which I won't disagree with. Whoever wrote these words understood public health, and I like them. Healthy People 2020, it was in December 2010, the Department of Health and Human Services, and I'm going to get my drawing tool out here so we can communicate. Uh, They launched their Healthy People 2020, so they had a 10-year goal, and Let's look at what they were going after here, because I think these are all correct. By the way, there's the link down there from the CDC's own website. First, bullet point one, attain high quality, longer lives, free of preventable disease, disability, injury, and premature death. So first thing, what do we mean by high quality lives? That's lower morbidity. Morbidity means the kinds of things that make you sick. Uh, Morbidity could be congestive heart failure and living with that condition. It could be that you have diabetes, uh, obesity. These are the kinds of things that lead to higher morbidity. So, of course, when they're saying attain high quality lives, lower morbidity, ding, get a check for that. Of course, they should be doing that. What else? Well, longer lives. Longer lives means uh, you live without dying for a longer time. That's lower mortality. So when we look at this, you got those two goals, which are really, really important. We want, of course, from our Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, from the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, from the National Institute of Health, together with their combined many tens of billions of dollars of public health expenditures, they should be helping us achieve higher quality, longer duration lives. And that should be the goal within the context of covid But more broadly, they are in charge of public health, which is the totality of how all of their efforts relating to COVID and other things that they're spending those tens of billions of your dollars on, if you're an American, those efforts in totality should give us higher quality lives and longer lives. So when we put all of that into a spot, and as well, we notice here, Bullet point three, they have to create social and physical environments that promote good health for all. And bullet point four, they're in the business of promoting quality of life, healthy development, and healthy behaviors. Because that's the totality of their efforts. So if they're doing well in their jobs, we should be seeing some things in the data that support achieving these. By the way, I think these are all perfectly good uh, bullet points here. No disagreements really with any of them. So what does this mean? We can reduce all four bullet points to just two simple goals, right? Very simply, the goals of our collective public health agencies with the CDC in the lead ought to be less death and two, less disease. So how are we doing on that front? And by the way, 
I want to just tell you that there's a part two to this video over at my website. We're going to be talking about surviving and thriving in the darkness to come. I hate to put it that way, but we're in a period of mass psychosis or mass formation. We need to talk about what that really means. Fortunately, there are a lot of really brave people standing up, and it's just phenomenal. So now more than ever, your voice really matters. How can you help here today? Even if you don't come over to part two, share this video because this video is going to ask the question that we should all be asking and holding our public health officials accountable for. So let's talk about it. If we're about less death in this story, which is goal number one, right? We want to lower mortality. We have to back up and start talking about something called all-cause excess mortality. So let me unpack that phrase for you. In any given year, there's an expected number of deaths, right? We have a certain number of old people. We have a certain level of health and general uh, disease-free state in the society, or the opposite of that. We have a general level of disease and, and age in a society. And those things lead to mortality, but there's an expected number. So if you had a million people in a, in a city, you would expect X number of them to die any given year because of the age and health. Anything above that would be called excess mortality. So if we saw a lot more people dying for some reason and we saw that excess mortality, that would be your signal to say, oh, there's something here. Maybe we should fix this and we're not doing well. All cause means for any cause, right? So somebody rides their motorcycle at 140 miles an hour in a brick wall. That's a cause, right? Uh, somebody falls into a, uh, I don't know, a wood chipper in North Dakota in February. That's a cause. Or people could die from COVID. So any cause, that's what all cause means. We could call it any cause, mortality. What we're looking at here for Vermont, which is a small state, uh, notable for being really one of the most heavily vaccinated states right now in the United States, we would say this is 2020. All-cause mortality was only up by 1.4% in 2020. But here in 2021, it is now up a whopping 10.4%. Whatever the public health in totality efforts are in Vermont, they're getting an F because look at this vast spike in all-cause mortality climbing. Some of that is from COVID, but not all of it. There are other reasons, and it's the totality of all the things that public health officials are doing. So, quick example. Let's say we see too much COVID deaths, so we lock everybody down. That's great. We now have brought COVID deaths down, but now for whatever reason, people are dying from alcoholism or fentanyl overdoses or whatever other reasons. We would want to see, on an all-cause basis, are more people dying or fewer people? Obviously, you want to be over here with fewer people. This chart alone says there's a failure happening. Okay, but that's Vermont. It's kind of a small state. How about California? That's a big state. If there was a way to give an F-, minus, I would, because let's look here. California's excess deaths in 2020, that's the year of the pandemic. This is the year that COVID hits. This is the year we don't really know anything through March and April and May about how to treat COVID deaths. Like this is just like put people on ventilators and hope for the best, which didn't turn out all that well. Here in 2021, we are now seeing a much higher rate of all cause mortality in California in 2021 than we saw in 2020. Full stop. Hi, California Department of Health and Services. What are you doing? And do you understand why your all cause mortality is higher this year than last year? 
you should have to answer for that. And this, uh, by the way, the reason we focus on it at this rate is because this is the level that Department of Health and Human Services should be operating. This is the level at which the CDC, the FDA, the NIH should be operating at, which is they're in charge of overall public health because some things you do are going to raise mortality and some things you do are going to lower mortality. On balance, you want to lower mortality. That's not happening. So that's a very simple question, and it absolves us from having to resolve things at the level of, did these people die of COVID or with COVID? Or did they, were they vaccinated, partially vaccinated, unvaccinated? Did they have underlying conditions? We don't need to know any of that. All we need to know is that on an all-cause basis, we are doing a lot worse this year than last year in California. So let's keep this tour going. How about in New York, in the 25 to 44 age bracket, this is an age bracket that is really not susceptible to COVID on balance, uh, particularly with early treatment, very much not susceptible. Here we see doing worse uh, in 2020 than in 2021. So at least the number came down a little bit. But my goodness, this is a 33% increase in deaths in this age group ex above what we would expect. That's an F. This is a, a, this is when you lose somebody in this age bracket, you've lost somebody with decades of life in front of them. When you lose somebody who's 85 plus to COVID, as tragic as that is, you've lost somebody with perhaps just a few years of life left in their lifespan on average. So whatever's happening in New York, this should be something that we would say in a healthy, normal society, you would have questions asked about this. You would keep asking the questions. You wouldn't allow the evasion around these. Well, we don't really know what's happening. This should be a, a subject of intense scrutiny and inquiry. Because why is this? Is this alcoholism? Is this drug overdoses? Is this COVID? Is this something else? But this is a very powerful signal to say that the totality of the public health efforts in New York State are failing this age cohort from 25 to 44. Let's continue our tour. How about here? Uh, this is uh, looking at, do we see less death, the UK edition? Again, what we're seeing here is a number of things. First, we are looking at here on these sort of um, uh, more pastel-y colors down below. Those are excess versus projected deaths in the vaccinated in red, excess versus projected deaths in uh, unvaccinated and both of those are actually above zero. So when these numbers are put on a cumulative basis, we would see here that the vaccinated were doing a little bit better for a few weeks, and then they were doing a little bit worse than the unvaccinated. That's what it means when the red line goes above the solid blue line. And at the end of the year, they finish up, or at the end of this uh, data series, they end up pretty much the same um, with a slight lead for unvaccinated to over-vaccinated, but what you could conclude from this is the vaccination program, whatever it's doing on an excess deaths per 100,000, that's per 100,000 vaccinated versus unvaccinated, we don't really see any difference between the two groups. This is uh, by the incredible Matthew Crawford over here on Substack. He has uh, a um, uh, the Vaccine Wars, the series Rounding the Earth is his, uh, is his uh, Substack channel. It's just amazing. So I read it all the time. Amazing stuff. So right here, the best we can say is being vaccinated or unvaccinated in the grip of a pandemic confers neither any advantage nor disadvantage in the UK. So that starts to, again, unravel the vaccine narrative just a little bit because 
It shouldn't be that way. It should be that if there's a really strong protective benefit overall, we should see a clear separation in these two lines. That blue line um, really ought to be way above that red line, like really far. They're pretty close. In fact, they sort of wobble across each other, so we can't really detect anything in that. Public health officials need to ask and be asked the question. They need to answer this, which is, hey, explain to us, point on this chart right here, point to us the vast benefit of your collective actions because we'd like to see it, especially before the NHS in the UK goes forward with potentially firing 100,000 people in the healthcare system who haven't been vaccinated, which could really ding the ability of those people to prevent other all-cause mortality by having poorly staffed, understaffed, or even closed medical facilities because of the importance of, well, what? That's, that's the thing. We're, we're not getting good answers to that. By the way, I can keep going at this and show you tons of different ways we can get at the same question. This comes to us from uh, John Wong in The Greatest Depression is his Twitter handle, uh, John Wong, uh, 40298 Thank you very much for submitting this. Uh, sent this to me, said, this is from Service Corporation, dollar sign SCI. It's one of the largest funeral and cemetery operators. This is in their third quarter 2021 earnings call, top part in yellow. Shortly thereafter, they say here, we saw an unexpected surge in COVID and non-COVID mortality that began in August has continued into October. Therefore, we are seeing funeral volumes and cemetery revenues that have exceeded our previous expectations. Yeah, it's kind of cold to read it in um, earnings call sort of language here. Continuing quote in purple, we had we generated adjusted earnings per share of a dollar sixteen. That's a forty-seven percent increase over the prior year quarter. In a good, healthy society, this is surveillance data. They should be called up immediately by people on the CDC saying, "Wait a minute, hold on, what's happening here?" Because this is a signal. This is a signal that something has gone wrong across the totality of our public health efforts. And, and in particular, continuing down in the bottom, quote, overall, the funeral segment performed better than they expected. In yellow, continued strong volumes from the Delta variant COVID impact and from excess non-COVID deaths, which tended to skew younger and were more pronounced in smaller markets, which tended to skew younger. Non-COVID deaths which tended to skew younger. This is what they're seeing. So this is how they understand it from within the model at the back end, which are the people who uh, provide the services once death has occurred. So that really jumped out at me, that whole idea that we have here a signal in the mortuary statistics of funeral services corporations, which say they're seeing an increase in non-COVID deaths, excess non-COVID deaths, which tended to skew younger. And in more rural areas, that's how I interpret smaller markets, potentially more rural, but not big cities. So this is a really important signal that says whatever we are doing collectively is not working as a society. Full stop. These are the questions that ought to be asked. If you're a journalist or if you're in journalism or you're talking to a journalist, please poke the journalist, prod the journalist, ask the journalist, hey, journalist, I'm asking you. You have to ask these questions. This is the highest level. Before we get all wrapped around the axle of exactly what are we doing around COVID, let's agree that the high-level things that our health agencies ought to be working on is lowering mortality, 
particularly in young people, and lowering morbidity, particularly in young people. We should be seeing both of those things. And by the way, as a reminder, CDC both get a whopping F because the clinical trials for the Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine here found that all-cause mortality rate in the vaccinated group was actually higher than that in the control group to bring it down just to within the vaccine trials. This is question number one. Does your vaccine actually reduce all-cause mortality or not? If it doesn't and you don't see that data in the trials, then where do you expect to see it? Well, you probably ought to see it in the general mortality data of the larger society. And again, we don't see it here. We don't see it here. We're not seeing it generally anywhere. So we really should be asking and answering that question because we deserve to have the answers to those questions. Tell me, what are your collective efforts doing, CDC, FDA, to lower all-cause mortality and also all-cause morbidity? What's morbidity? We'll get to that in just a second. By the way, can we do better? Is it possible? Is it just that COVID is that deadly of a foe? Maybe, but I will note that um, here on November 21st, we came across this information, which is just in Bangladesh, you know, that economic and uh, medical powerhouse, was reporting zero COVID-19 deaths for the first time since March 2020. Is this true? Um, yeah, it's true. So at least on the COVID front, we see that uh, Bangladesh here is getting an, getting an A on the COVID side. I couldn't find all-cause mortality data for Bangladesh in time for this program. I'm sure it exists or maybe it'll exist next year. So I can't give you that part. Fair, fair observation. As well, we might notice um, Japan. How's Japan doing? Really well. Um, they kept Their deaths were zero in the last reporting period that I pulled for this uh, preparation for the show. So Japan is also doing really well. So I just am putting up these examples to say to the FDA, to the CDC, to the NIH, to every journalist who's asking them questions, it shouldn't just be how are we doing, but how are we doing on an all-cause mortality basis and how are we doing on COVID mortality basis compared to other countries like Bangladesh and Japan. Relatively third world, as they say, are undeveloped, fully developed. Both of those countries doing very well compared to portions of Europe, United States, Canada, places like that. So we should be actually asking for those comparisons because it's that highest level comparison that's really important and they should be held accountable. Public health officials ought to be held accountable for the overall outcomes because that's what public health is. Individual health how my particular case of COVID works out and resolves is between me and my doctor and my personal health history and all of that. But on the basis of my country, well, that's really what Fauci and Rochelle Walensky at the CDC and everybody else, though this is the level at which they should be held accountable, right? Makes sense to me. How are we doing on the morbidity? This is harder to get our hands around because the data is not really well reported except for years after the fact. So a morbidity would be, did we have an increase in heart attacks, an increase in strokes, an increase in diabetes, an increase in, um, say, um, obesity, or is that going up or down, right? So we would want to see less morbidity. As I say, I don't have really good data for this because the hospitals sort of keep it. It takes a long time for it to get curated up and anonymized and, and pushed out through the CDC. But I can tell you, looking at this on the basis of just vaccine morbidity alone, so these would be adverse events. This is coming from the World Health Organization. And here, this is their Vigia Access database here. And now we're comparing all the different vaccines compared to each other. 
And we're looking at ADRs, which are adverse events that are reported. And so here we see the vaccine drug or drug name. Um, actually, there's some drugs in here, not just vaccines. So we'll look here for um, this period for months at the top. This is 711 adverse events have been reported in the period from 1977 to 2021. That's a period of 49 years. There was 700. So this is stratified from top to bottom by fewest to most. As we come down, oh, look, here's um, this thing, Dwizabin 2, this little funny uh, compound here. Over a 29-year period has 5,700 reported events. And as we come on down, say, comparing this to, oh, I don't know, just randomly, the tetanus or this next thing, uh, Dwizabin 1, HCQ here. Uh, look at this HCQ over a period of 52 years. 52 years has 32,641 reported adverse events. Um, let's see, we have benzyl penicillin in here. Uh, the rotavirus vaccine, this this turned out actually not to be all that safe um, and got pulled uh, for uh, a variety of uh, age classifications. Again, over a period of 21 years, clocking in with a really hefty 68,327 adverse events. But then we go all the way down to the bottom and who's anchoring the bottom here? It's these uh, COVID-19 vaccines with a period of one year clocking in at 2,457,386 so far reported adverse events. Let me just put that in context. All of these above, every single compound and or vaccine above, collectively, when we compare them to the COVID-19 vaccine, there are 1.77 million more adverse events reported just for this one class of vaccines compared to every other compound and vaccine through all of that history. So there's probably um, you know, uh, five, 600 years of collective drug history above compared to one year down below. So on this basis alone, this morbidity, you get an F on that right away. Um, whatever we're doing, there's actually, and we'd have to normalize this a little bit because it, it turns out that there may be more people involved in that last run down at the bottom. But even still, even on that basis, once we normalize it uh, on a time basis, we're going to discover that these things really have a really strong morbidity signal. That should be talked about. It should be talked about. I'm not saying that we should conclude at the end of that discussion that these are a bad idea, but at least we should be having the conversation because the job, again, of any public health official is to reduce mortality and morbidity. An adverse event is a morbid event. All right. So when we look at all of this, we would say, very simply, if the goals were less death, less disease at these highest level measures, got to give an F right now because these are not headed in the right direction right now on the basis of the sum total of our efforts, which is how they should be scored. We shouldn't be scoring it on individual pieces down below. Did COVID deaths go down in this hospital, in this region? It's great. That's more of a regional question, but from a national dimension. We should be asking and answering the question, do we have less death, less disease uh, in our system at this point in time? The answer right now is a resounding no. And we should be asking why, because that's the level to which I hold my public health officials accountable is public health. So we come to the end of this and we say, what are the conclusions here for episode 20, uh, 37? Jeez, we're racing right along here. First, all public health bodies and leadership should be held accountable for increasing public health and reducing overall deaths. We call that all-cause mortality. 
And second bullet point, by that measure, U.S. public health is a complete failure here in 2021. All-cause mortality is higher, and it skews younger than even in 2020. That's a fail. Period. Full stop. Third bullet point, the complete lack of anything other than a vaccine-only approach. It's not scientific. It's morally indefensible. Frankly, it's cultish. It's a little bit weird. What do I mean by a vaccine-only approach? It should be a vaccine and approach. Hey, we have these vaccines. They're really important within certain classifications, particularly the riskier subsets of our population. And everybody should have adequate levels of vitamin D and get plenty of rest and not be stressed out because we know how that impacts the immune system and maybe eat healthier as well. And, and, and. There are a lot of things that we should be doing. They should be equal measures. The public health bodies should be putting equal weight on all the approaches they have available, all the approaches they have available at their fingertips. Why? Remember, look here. Remember, bullet point, it's the CDC's own goals. I'm not making anything up. This is their goals. Promote quality of life, healthy development, and healthy behaviors across all life stages. If they were doing that, they would be telling us about all of those things that I just mentioned that are go beyond the actual just sort of very cultish we're do we have this one approach that we're gonna we're gonna lead and in final conclusion here the complete lack of questioning and accountability by the press about all-cause mortality this is as large of a failure from the press as i've seen since say uh falling for the anti-lab leak marketing that came out in spring of 2020 i mean this is this is a fail big fail so the people who are supposed to be the gatekeepers of the truth, the the fifth estate, the fourth estate, you know, whatever state we want to call the press, the press is supposed to be on the job saying, yeah, I hear you, CDC, what you're saying, but can you please explain to us exactly what's going on with all-cause mortality? Because it looks worse here in 2021. Show us the data. Give us a compelling explanation because my readers want to know about that. That should be the role of the press. But press isn't really up to that job at this point in time, which is why We have uh, myself doing what I do, and we have uh, all the other people out there who are working hard to help your voice, your courage matter. There's very courageous people standing up, losing their jobs as a matter of moral conviction. When we have all these people out there who are really putting their lives on the line, their careers on the line, their earnings on the line, people who've lost their jobs, these are the people who are actually worthy of our support and our attention these are the people who are standing up and taking the slings and arrow even if it's you know even if they're not losing their job and they're they're relatively wealthy and successful like joe rogan the level of hate that they get of friction of of just absolute lambasting that they have to endure is a consequence of daring to stand up and say hey the emperor has no clothes These are the people that are deserving of our support. And for all of you out there listening who are doing this, who are standing up and standing with your convictions and your moral courage, kudos. You have my complete support. Thank you so much for doing that. We're on the right side of this story. It's never wrong to ask a question that is based on data, that's asking the truth, that is seeking a better outcome for all. To those who are standing on the other side of this story, You're on the wrong side of history, no question about it. And there will come a day when there's going to be a lot of regret for failing to stand on the right side of this story, standing up for health, 
standing up for liberty for all, for freedom, standing up for individual rights. These are all things that have brought us prosperity through the years. And I look forward to meeting more people who are on this side of the story because they're the people with courage, integrity, conviction, and well, frankly, they're, they're just slightly less insane than the other folks. So I enjoy being around them. It's a lot of fun. All right, we're going to go to part two now. If you want to follow that, come on over here to this link and you can find it down in the description below. We're going to be talking about how to survive this coming time. And uh, by the way, personal prediction gets a little darker before it gets better. But the good news, we get to find each other and stand tall and carve our own paths through this based on our own internal compasses of what's right and wrong. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you there. Remember to share this with people who need to hear it. But just ask that one question. Hey, what is going on with all-cause mortality? Better or worse? We should be asking and we deserve the answers. See you next time.